Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. 13 minutes past one and a very warm welcome to consumer journalist Wendy Nola who joins us from a studio in Durban today. Great to have you with us, Wendy. Thanks, Pippa. Always good to be with you on a Wednesday. We're going to be focusing on ride-hailing services like Uber Mm. and Taxify. Uber convenient to use, but what happens when something goes wrong, uh, like an accident in one of those cars? We'll hear from a couple of listeners who've struggled to get decent customer service. We'll also chat to Uber about what you should do if that happens to you. After half past one, remember, we'll take a short break to play our round of Brain of Cape Talk and then come back to the open line section. Uh, Your voice notes are welcome on 07 to 567-1567 and your calls to 446-0567. Wendy, over to you. Okay, thank you. So ride-hailing services such as Uber have been a life-changer for many, providing a hip, slick, convenient, affordable, tech-savvy means of getting from A to B and avoid driving drunk. I have two teenagers, so I know all about about it. How they work, yes. Um, The business model is completely different from that of the metered taxi industry, though. There is no taxi company which employs its drivers in the traditional way. The likes of Uber and Taxify are not taxi companies. They are technology companies. Alon Litz, um, Uber's general manager for sub-Saharan Africa, is on record as Putting it like this, Uber is a smartphone application that connects riders to licensed drivers in the cities where we operate, and that's a lot of them. It is no different to somebody using a landline or a cell phone to call a taxi. We just make it more efficient using the application. So you, you get a, a sense of understanding then that there is a disconnect. You are contracting with the driver, not the company that is providing the app. Mm. So that begs the question, what happens then when something goes wrong, when the driver crashes the car, for example? Whose responsibility is it then? And who takes responsibility? Okay, we are going to speak to Alon Litz a little bit later in the segment. But first, we've got several case studies to share with you today. And let's start with the first. Uh, A little while ago, our listener, Dennis Lilly, contacted me uh, describing how his son had been involved in a crash in an Uber in the early hours of a Saturday morning just before Christmas. Uh, Dennis's son was in the back seat as a passenger, and he says the driver fell asleep at the wheel. The car veered across the oncoming lane of traffic. Uh, Thankfully, no oncoming cars at the time. They Mm. hit and flattened a metal signpost, uh, careered into a tree, and then came to a halt in some barbed wire. Both of the front airbags in the vehicle deployed. Quite incredibly, Wendy, neither the, the driver nor Dennis's son, the passenger, yeah. were injured. It sounds like they're flipping lucky not to have been. Absolutely. Apparently yeah. the scene was quite something after and, all of um, Yeah, so understandably, Dennis's son very shaken up and... Uh, uh, um, I'm sure felt very uncomfortable then having to use his phone to call a replacement Uber yes. to co- create, complete the trip and get him home afterwards. Yeah, that was so, up as four in the morning, I think, after all of that. Yeah, so pretty scary stuff. And, and Dennis just raised a couple of points of concern with us, one of them being, of course, a driver falling asleep at the wheel and what that says about the length of time he'd been on the road, etc. That is right. something we'll discuss with Alon later. But he was unhappy with the way he was dealt with after the fact. He contacted Uber. They told him the driver had never reported the accident so they knew nothing about it and he really struggled Wendy to get a local person to speak to him he ended up having conversations with Egypt with the USA uh, just trying to find somebody who knew the area he was talking about who knew the Cape Town landscape and was prepared to speak to him in South Africa proved to be quite a big challenge he was also fairly aggrieved that nobody from Uber 
ever followed up with a phone call to to firstly apologize for the poor experience they'd had and secondly ask the simple question is your son okay after that experience and then perhaps most perturbingly he asks the question what responsibility would uber have taken if any if my son had been injured in that incident so that is dennis's uh, question when yeah uh, when you've got a second case study from rias jacobs Yes, so Riyal said he called an Uber on the 31st of October. A driver named Menzi in a polo picked up the ride. When the car arrived, um, he did he checked, as we're supposed to do, he checked that the car matched the one on, on his app, but he didn't match, uh, notice that the driver didn't match the photo Ooh. of the driver on the app. And as the trip went on, he said he realized that the driver seemed very unsure about how to operate the car. He didn't know the route and um, wasn't too sure how the app worked either. And he did seem nervous. When he questioned him, the driver admitted to being Menzi's brother. And sure. he said he didn't have a driver's license. So oh, the substitution word. thing um, comes up uh, more than has come up more than once for us in the last week. Uh, Riaz took a photo of him and sent it to Uber support via Twitter DM along with details of his trip and he says all he's had since then are promises that someone would contact him shortly. I asked them if Menzi was still a driver and their response via the app was that uh, due to their privacy policy they aren't allowed to share specifics of any internal action that they take in cases like this. He says to my mind this is not good enough as this incident if not handled correctly would remain a safety risk for passengers and other road users. This would also help me consider if I continue to use Uber Mm. or not. And he says, I'm just not getting responses. So you can see here with the business model, his contract is with the driver, but he feels um, because of, I suppose, and the experience of a traditional um, tax, meter taxi situation that the company um, is somehow responsible and must take appropriate action. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the, the disconnect there. Okay. Now, both of those cases, thankfully, nobody was hurt. But sadly, the mm. next two passengers who shared their stories with us were injured. And both interestingly, of them, yes. one of them raves about the way Uber responded. The other is very unhappy about it. We're going to start with, with Paul Carolis, Wendy. And uh, he contacted you about an incident in September 2017. Yes. Um I actually heard about him when I just started talking to contacts about doing the story. Mm. And um, the, um, our mutual contact said, oh, yes, she, she knew about Paul. He hailed an Uber in the early hours of the morning after a big night out back in September 2017, so just over a year ago. He was in the back seat not wearing a seatbelt when he suspects the driver fell asleep and smashed into um, – uh, smashed the car into a Frieda Hook street pole. He says he scrambled out of the car. He tried to stand up and his, he felt his leg snap underneath him. Oof. Um, yeah, unfortunately he couldn't tell us this, his story, um, himself. He's away in the bush and not able to be reached, but it was quite uh, staggering to hear him describe it like that. He says at a hospital casualty department, he was asked to rate his pain and he said he made the mistake of saying six instead of nine or ten. I think that, um, Alcohol and adrenaline might have had something to do with that. Yeah. And because of that, he wasn't admitted. Um, he was just put in a plaster cast and sent on his way. And his hospital plan didn't cover that outpatient treatment. So he was down 15,000 rand. Yeah. He says he called Uber, say, and the person he spoke to was very apologetic, um, offered to help. But when he pushed as to what sort of help he could actually get, there was no 
um, tangible help. He, yeah. um, he shared a story with us. Yeah, he is, a, as you said, he's away, but he did leave us a, a, a bit of a, a description of what happened. Let's just take a listen to how he described it. So from my initial first interaction with Uber, when I contacted them, they were very quick to respond, extremely professional. I mean, I could even hear in the guy's tone that he was reading from a well-scripted piece of paper explaining how apologetic they were. And he offered if Uber could do anything for me. And I said, well, man, I'm sitting here with a couple of hospitals that need to be sorted, hospital bills that need to be sorted out. Maybe we can start there, to which he quickly shut me down and said, man, these bills are for the care of the owner of the car. She's insured for these. Uh, to which he said again, good luck with that. And let me know if I can do anything. To which I said, well, man, maybe you can organize me a couple of rides around town for the, for the coming weeks while I've got this cast around my leg, which he was didn't even give me that. So at the end of the day, Uber apologized in a beautiful letter, but did absolutely nothing, no responsibility whatsoever. Right. Uh, Wendy, I know Paul did reach out to the owner of the car, but uh, he didn't get much joy there either, did he? No, he said so. That the owner wasn't the driver in, in, in that okay. case. He said the owner was a woman and she did admit that the driver didn't have a license Oof. and was standing in for his friend. You see, that's coming up again. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the friend, the registered driver, let this guy um, stand in for him. She offered to help him with his um, road accident fund claim. And then she, he claims she blocked him on her phone and she never, he never heard from her again. So he just had that 15000 and the extra costs of getting around because he couldn't drive and, and wrote it off. Um, so, yes, the way it's supposed to happen is that the drivers are, are, are forced by Uber to have passenger liability. But what, do you have, what, what happens when it isn't the driver behind Driving, the wheel yeah. when the accident happens? So there's a, there are... Um, holes in the in the um, in, in the model here okay. that um, do affect people. Yeah. Now, to be fair, our next listener, Rory Mitchell, um, had had a very different experience because he yes. had quite positive uh, response when he did take an issue up with Uber after he was involved in an accident while uh, while a passenger. And we've got Rory on the line uh, to describe uh, the incident to us. Rory, thanks for your time this afternoon, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Pepe. How are you? I'm well, thanks. And yourself? Good, good, not too bad. Good. Firstly, tell us about the accident. What happened? Um, I was on my way home from gym on a Tuesday morning, and um, I just got into the car. It was at the end of Bree Street. And, you know, I think it was just an accident. Um, I can't really blame the driver. Um, He pulled out of the road, and we got T-boned by another car. I was sitting in the back left seat, and Mm -hmm. I hit my head on the the, the glass. Um, I was rushed to hospital. I had plastic surgery on my face. Um, but in terms of what Uber have offered, I thought the the service was pretty good as to what they what they offered me or, or okay. how they reacted to it. So tell us, you, you contacted Uber to tell them what had happened, and how did they uh, then assist you, Rory? I, I actually I, I didn't even contact them. Um, they contacted me, okay. and they obviously had no. They, they were aware of what happened. Um, I got a phone call when I was in hospital. Um, they followed up afterwards because um, they've got a policy where they will pay if you don't have gap cover. Uh, my medical aid paid for most of the the operations, uh, but if you've got gap cover, then or if you don't have gap cover, they will pay for the shortfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also assist with the road accident fund claim as well, which apparently they don't take 
uh, a percentage of your claim like normal lawyers do. Okay, so they are actually assisting you with an RAF claim. And have you started that process yet, Rory? I don't know how long ago this all happened. Yeah, uh, it happened 2017 in November, so it's just over a year ago. The Road Accident Fund is going, uh, but obviously it's a very slow process. Slow process, yeah. Okay. So as far as you're concerned... They've got all the details and stuff. Okay. So as far as you're concerned, are you quite quite comfortable with the way Uber responded to what, as you say, was uh, genuinely an accident, not not so much somebody at fault? But are you happy with with, with that they have uh, jumped through all the hoops you would expect them to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I won't say they went out of their way, but they did everything that they needed to. It was very professional about how, the way they handled it. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, they paid. There was, a, there was a shortfall of about 12 grand, I think, on my um, on my operation, yeah. um, which they, they paid me back for it. Um, and they're assisting with the road accident fund claim. So I can't really fault them. Rory, thank you so much. It's great to hear a positive story like that. Uh, And uh, the big question is, why doesn't everybody have that experience? Is there a lack of uniformity going on here, Wendy? Well, I would imagine from what I know of the model that that the driver would have had the passenger liability insurance and that it would have been a claim that the driver made maybe um, Mm. Uber SA um, facilitated that. And I know that they certainly um, help with... um, RAF claims, but um, we, we've got, we're going to have Alon Litz, the general manager for Uber Southern Africa, with join us. So he's, I'm sure he'll indeed. explain that to us. He is with us on the line, uh, the general manager for Uber Sub-Saharan Africa. Alon Litz, thank you so much for your time. Just to say, I know Alon cannot talk to the individual case studies we've raised here, but he's with us to speak to the, the general issues that are being brought up around customer support in this kind of emergency situation. Alon, thank you for your time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on the show. Let's start with the question of how you see Uber's responsibility towards a passenger who is in an Uber when it crashes, regardless of whether or not they're injured. Uh, You've been at pains to say you're not a taxi company, you're a technology company. Uh, So how do you feel, uh, if if, if at all, that you have any responsibility to passengers who are hurt? So let me start by saying that any incident where safety is involved is extremely concerning to me and my team. And we're working hard every, t- every day. We've got teams locally, we've got teams globally focused on ensuring that we deliver, we really lead the industry when it comes to safety innovation. Um, so just to touch on a point that Wendy raised, a really important point is that every ride booked through the Uber app, if there are injuries involved, is covered by insurance. This is not a policy that is reliant on the driver's insurance. This is a blanket cover paid for and covered by Uber. This cover also extends to drivers in the event of an accident, um, and it also covers death, disability, injury in the same way it does for riders. If that's the case, Alon, why have some of our previous complainants said they were told, sort it out with the driver, it's not Uber's responsibility? Again, um, I think you, you, you have mentioned I can't speak to specific cases, what is important to call out is this relates to injury and death disability. It does extend to loss of um, damage or theft of personal items, but this does not cover um, damage to a vehicle, as an example. So here we're really focused on the safety of riders using the Uber app and drivers using the Uber app. Okay, so somebody's just SMSed us to say I had an experience uh, uh, with an Uber driver crashing into my car when it was parked outside my house. 
He lied about everything. Eventually, I found out he was using somebody else's car and phone. It was not his car. I doubt he even had a driver's license. And my insurance company is still trying to claim without success. The comment is, I think Uber needs to sort out the problem of unauthorized drivers. And on, it's been a recurring theme in the, in the stories we've heard today. And again, I know you can't speak to those individual stories, but how do you address the problem that, uh, there is a possibility that the driver you believe is sitting behind the wheel of the car using the Uber app is not, in fact, uh, the driver that, you, that you've contracted with. Yeah, so, so I think that's a very important point. Um, I'm not going to talk to any examples where someone might be using a vehicle um, which may be registered on the Uber app and something happens which is not related to Uber. It is important to remember that these are independent contractors who own vehicles and may use their own vehicles or lend their vehicle to another individual. When it comes to using the Uber app, we have very strict community guidelines and only drivers who are registered to use the Uber app should be logging into the Uber app. We go through a thorough background check process. Drivers go through, um, they have to provide a professional driver's permit, which is verified. Uh, There are driving evaluations involved before a driver can be activated to use Uber. We also make use of facial recognition technology where at random intervals, drivers are prompted to take a selfie and that selfie is then verified against their profile picture on the app. So that is something which we take very seriously. If for whatever reason we get a report, and this is another important point to stress, before you get into the car, very important that you verify the details of the vehicle and check that that matches the in-app information and that the picture of the driver, which if you click on becomes bigger, matches the driver in that vehicle. If for whatever reason it is not the case, we would suggest you cancel the trip, you do not get into the vehicle and you notify our team immediately. We do offer an emergency number which is available to riders while on trip. They can call that emergency number and speak to a central control room where if they feel that they're in danger for whatever reason, we'll send help their way. So we do have mechanisms in place to address this type of behavior. And if a driver is caught sharing their account details and something like this happens, it would go against that community guideline. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can email Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za. So we're back to continue the conversation about ride-hailing services like Uber or Taxify and what happens if something goes wrong and, for example, you're involved in an accident as a passenger in those vehicles. Before the break, uh, the general manager for Uber Sub-Saharan Africa, Alon Litz, was with us uh, explaining, and let me just recap two of the key points he said. Firstly, Uber does have insurance cover as a platform that will assist uh, and cover you if uh, there is a passenger injury, uh, a theft of your personal belongings or damage to your personal belongings while you're being transported in an Uber. He also emphasized the importance of not just checking, as I always do, that the the license plate matches Mm. the car I ordered, but also taking the time to check that the driver behind the wheel matches the photograph on the app and that it is not a substitute driver who might not be licensed, might not have insurance cover, etc. Alon is back with us, as is Wendy Nola. And Alon, thanks for the patience for the interruption there. What about the position of those drivers and their passenger liability. So we heard you telling us emphatically Uber does have cover um, that will assist if there is an injury. Are the drivers themselves required to have passenger liability insurance? 
So I, th- I think passenger liability is something that people place a lot of weight on. I'm not an insurance expert and would suggest that this is verified by an insurance expert. But my understanding is it is very unlikely that under any circumstance anyone receives a payout under passenger liability. You would first need to make a claim against the road accident fund, and it only covers, it doesn't cover injury, it covers things like trauma, etc. So it doesn't actually cover injury. So I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about passenger liability. That is why it was so important for us, both for riders and for drivers, to have this umbrella policy in place, which does make payouts in addition to the road accident fund and is not reliant on the same process that you would need to go through for passenger liability. In addition to that, we do provide um, both riders and drivers in the event of an accident, either on the way to a trip or on trip, uh, with road cover, which will help them claim against the road accident fund. Alon, as a matter of interest, is there a cap on the payout that that insurance uh, will, will, will offer in the event of a serious injury? It's at 250,000 rand. 250,000 rand cap. Okay. Um, somebody's raised on the SMA. Oh, sorry, Wendy, you want to jump in? I'd just like to ask one question, Alon. For how long has that been in place? So for riders, we've had that in place for over a year. Um, for drivers, we rolled this out towards, um, I think the, the exact date was about October last year. I need to confirm that exact date. I think date. it was August. I think it was August. August. Okay, so, so relatively yes. new, but it is it's our place new. for both mm. riders and drivers. Okay. Oliver asking on the SMS line, um, uh, saying, what about Uber Eats? He says, um, my issue is that I, I was hit by an Uber Eats motorbike driver who had driven straight through a red light, had no South African license or insurance, and we could not find the owner to get my access back. Who is uh, policing, for lack of a better word, um, the, the quality and the registration, etc., of the Uber Eats drivers? Uber Eats drivers go through a similar onboarding process. Um, again, this sounds like an example of uh, damage to a vehicle um, and, and an issue around the insurance claims there. Um, Uber Eats drivers, we do not require an insurance document from them, but Uber Eats drivers are covered by the insurance policy that Uber offers. So what did, uh, should somebody like Oliver do? Is there anything they can do if their car has been damaged, they haven't been injured, but there has been damage to another vehicle caused by somebody who is a registered Uber driver using the, the, the vehicle for Uber purposes? Again, these are independent contractors. They are going to have to be reliant on going through the claims process with that individual. Okay. Um, then the other question that came up several times in our case studies, Alon, was the issue of driver fatigue. And uh, two of the stories related to us involved drivers falling asleep at the wheel. I know you did take steps some time ago to cap the length of shift that somebody can be behind the wheel on the Uber platform. Won't you just remind us what your approach is there? Yeah, so again, um, this is an innovation which was launched um, around May of last year where drivers cannot spend in excess of 12 hours using the Uber application. And once that 12-hour limit is reached, they need to take six hours, um, consecutive hours off the app uh, before they'll be able to go back online. And that was based on data, that was based on feedback, where we do understand that driving is dangerous 
and we what we, we want to do what we can to reduce the likelihood of an accident occurring as a result. Okay, and obviously you can't then prevent somebody signing on with another app and continuing to work and coming back to you after a, an uninterrupted 18-hour shift, but um, you, you, th- that's, I guess, out of your hands, Alon. Yeah, we're doing what we can to control within our ecosystem. All right, I know Elon has got to get to a meeting, so we're going to have to let him go. Thank you for your patience in holding on for us. Elon Litz, the general manager for Uber Sub-Saharan Africa, speaking to us there. And I think a couple of important points. Wendy, I'm certainly going, I've never in my life done the check on the photograph of the driver. I'm emphatic about checking the details of the vehicle, but uh, he's raised a very good point there. I'm embarrassed to say that I actually wrote that story when they introduced that random um, face recognition thing for their drivers as an additional um, security feature or safety feature for for riders, as they like to call it. Um, and I also do that thing. You check the, the, the – it's the blue polo, and you look at the few numbers on the number plate, mm. and you say, hello, is that Menzi? Let's use the same name. And if they're substituting, they're going to say yes. So you really need to – Click on the picture, enlarge it so you can see it properly, and actually check um, the way our ID is checked when we're boarding a plane and Absolutely. doing other things like that. Yeah. So that's certainly something I'm going to get into the habit of doing in future, especially hearing this recurring theme of driver substitution yeah. coming through in, the, in just these few cases that we've dealt with. Now, I know you're not an insurance expert yourself, uh, but maybe you can uh, respond to Vic, who's emailed me saying, this is very interesting. I hardly ever use Uber, but I am going to be more careful with checking the driver out in future. I do regularly use a ride assist service offered by my vehicle tracking company where somebody else drives your car home for you. And he's wondering if they're covered in that case, if that driver is involved in an accident, especially because most insurance companies have an excess if somebody else is driving your car. Any thoughts on what the insurance yes. ramifications would be? I'm pretty sure that the that uh, claim would be covered because the only time they don't do it is if the person who crashes your car is in fact on investigation the regular driver so your 19 year old son that they're not insuring they're insuring your risk not his Mm. and they most certainly would and in many cases do it's a very popular a very common thing for this to happen so they would um, establish that it's the regular driver no policy precludes in someone else driving your car that says you are the only person that can ever drive the car obviously there are certain circumstances where your car has to be moved or there's a valet parking or something like that yeah um as vic describes so i would be very very surprised if um they could actually get away with um denying a claim on that basis but it's always a good idea to just phone your insurance company have that call they're all recorded and say occasionally i make use of this service would i be covered if that driver um, has some kind of incident in that in the car that I need to claim for. Okay. Just one quick call and it's, it's, it, it covers you for sure. Then interesting, a WhatsApp in from someone who says, I'm a shuttle service operator and the law states that if you transport passengers, the vehicle must be comprehensively insured with a commercial insurance policy and a minimum of 1 million rand passenger liability insurance per seat. You can't even pick up your operating license from the transport department without proof of this insurance. And he says, or he or she says, traffic officials at the airport regularly ask me for my insurance cover letter during a roadblock. Uh, And I wonder, Wendy, how many Uber drivers are able to afford the premium on that level of insurance? No, well, this, 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 um, it's an in- interesting issue and a confusing mm. one to investigate because Alon alluded to the fact there with even your passenger liability. Um, the RAF is the state-sponsored um, 
body to go to when you had an accident, a road accident, if you want to make some kind of claim. And so mm. um, a lot of even, um, I know Uber pointed out um, not so long ago, about a year ago, with these metered taxi um, guys, you know, protesting quite violently in some cases, um, saying actually um, ask them what uh, passenger liability they have in case of other insurance. They said, you know, our our business has better insurance for um, our riders should something happen to them. So it's a very contentious issue, and I think the outtake for me is don't assume anything. Ask mm. the question, especially if you're going to be using a particular service often. Know exactly what you are and aren't covered for. And I certainly am going to go back to um, Paul, who said he had that 15,000 rand. I mean, it's, it's yes. late 2017 now. But um, it sounds to me on Elon's um, version, or, you know, his description rather of what covers in place, that he should have had some financial help because he was not able to claim on his medical aid in that case. So mm. it would be interesting, um, I think, to find out what happened. You know, Elon was very specific and not wanting to comment on individual cases, but I'm definitely going to go back and look at that case and find Absolutely. out what went wrong. Okay. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Uber is not the only uh, operator in this space, Wendy. Uh, Taxify is another one that many people in Cape Town use regularly, and yes. I know you did try and get them to join the conversation but without success yes i tried to engage if you go onto their site there's sort of no media liaison um, address so i went onto an info at um last week and said you know this is a media query please forward it to the right person didn't hear didn't hear then i went onto the cape town taxify site sent an email to them and a few days later um, earlier in the week, I got a response saying, please contact our, sorry we're late, but please contact our, and it was an external PR company with Taxify and the address, so I assumed from that that they were dedicated, they'd created a de- dedicated platform to deal with media complaints around Taxify. I have resent it, um, but still absolute silence, which is not very encouraging um, at all. Um, mm. If you go onto their website, there's one under terms and conditions that you agree to fully indemnify and hold Taxify and the Taxify group of companies and partners, blah, 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 um, harmless from any claims or losses, including liabilities, damages, costs, and expenses of any nature that they suffer as a result of your use of the Taxify app, sure. um, including any journeys you obtain through your app, Taxify app. Um, so... Yeah, I couldn't find any cover, certainly nothing along the lines of what Uber offers. And, you know, I would love to be able to state that categorically. But as I say, I was not able as a journalist to engage with the company and find out what they do offer. So, again, as we said a few minutes ago, specifically ask the question. Mm. My job has taught me to always, you know, hope for the best but plan for the worst. So, no, I mean, having an accident in Uber is not a way um, ride hailing services not an unusual event especially considering that many people catch them in the early or hail yeah. them in the early hours of the morning when there are a lot of um, not so well behaved drivers on the road so 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 ask the question I think is the is the big take out here Absolutely. find out exactly what would happen um, should you be injured in, in one of them Okay, thanks, Wendy. We've got a few minutes for some open line questions. If you're planning to phone, please phone right now on 021-446-0567. In the meantime, an email's just popped in from Debbie that I'm hoping you might be, be able to follow up for her. This is an interesting one. She tells me the Century City Post Office at Sable Square is bolted shut 
We were told by the Milnerton Post Office that rental had not been paid there, hence the oh, padlock on gosh. the door. But in the meantime, my husband has received a notice to collect a registered letter. He went to Century City uh, to, where he discovered the closure, went on to Milnerton, hoping perhaps the letters and parcels had been transferred there. But no such luck. How does he get his letter? All I can say is, um, Pippa, Amy, please forward that to me. I have a still, I'm very grateful for a really nice contact in the, in the post office's media office, Johan. Okay. And I will send that to him immediately. Um, you know, you'd think they would put a notice on the, on the, um, door saying all registered mail parcels, etc., have been to redirected to Milnerton or whichever other yes. one in the area, please go there. So that's unforgivable in my mind. To my mind, so let's 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 see um, because what's also unforgivable out. is that Debbie has been trying and trying. She's tried the customer service number, uh, no no joy there. So Debbie, we will certainly um, I'm mailing it on to Wendy during the news break uh, at two o'clock, and we'll try and get that sorted I'll out. I'll get straight for you. onto it before I before I leave the studio. I'll do it for you, Debbie. So okay. and I'll let you know. Um, Presuming her contact details are there, I will get back to her as soon as I hear something. And that will apply to anybody else who's in the same situation, of course. Okay. We've got time, I think, to briefly squeeze in a call from Wayne in Gardens. Wayne, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Pippa. I wonder if I can ask Wendy Nola a question. You must know about the MSC cruise ship that was off Sea Point. Yes, we do, yes. We were, we were going to go to Durban on it. And anyway, we were told to be at the port at 8 on Saturday morning. The ship only left at quarter to two, and before we got on board, we checked that, you know, it will get to Durban by seven on Monday so that our flights would be in order. And then late Saturday night, we were advised, um, we got a letter from the captain to say, due to the delays, we'll only get to Durban at one o'clock, and our flight was at one. Anyway, oh. we on board, we managed to get another flight at five times the cost on Mango to come back at five. But later in the day, friends who were with us, I mean, they paid 8400 for a one-way ticket, an economy ticket on BA, because the prices had just moved up because of the demand. Yeah. It, it mm. was so sad at the airport on Monday to see people in tears who just couldn't. They took their tickets and went to the counters and said, we missed our flight because of, and the airlines were saying, sorry, that's your problem. You'll need to buy another ticket. And people collapsed in tears because they didn't have money. What recourse do we have? Okay, I've had a few emails from people. The other situation was um, a family that lived quite a way out of uh, Cape Town, so when the, there was this delay, they had to stay over. They were actually directed by MSC to certain hotels uh, on the understanding they would have to pay up front and then claim from MSC. But MSC only paid back um, a certain portion, Ooh. leaving them with a significant shortfall, and they had been specifically directed there. So that's something I'm taking up. Um, in terms of the, the compensation, um, there will be some um, because uh, if not offered, did you have your own insurance, um, Wayne? Just get or Wayne back? It's, oh. com it's compulsory to take the Hollard insurance, which they offered. Okay. And yes. they're saying you've got to pay everything and claim it from Hollard. But yes. they've, they've sent a, a form to say that you've got to sign a release form that you indemnify that you will not sue them and claim anything because all they're offering is 50% back That's on the what cruise I was about cost. To get to. But it's, not, it's, not service fees and other charges. So, no. I mean, we're paying $13 a day for service we never had. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a big problem because you think when you have insurance and, you, as you say, you're forced to take it out that it will cover you, but it's not. It's not. It's it's half at best from what I'm hearing. So um, if you could 
drop us an, an email, Wayne. I'd appreciate it so I could add it to to the cases I have. Yeah. And get some answers from MEC. We we may even um, do it in a, in a follow up show. I think there'll be quite a lot of interest. I'm given sure there are many people in a similar uh, similar position. Yes. Yeah. So, so please, the more cases we have, the better, certainly when it comes to attempts to um, claim compensation. So, Wayne, if you do that, I'd be most appreciative. Okay, so Wayne and anybody else who's in the same boat as Wayne, sorry for the pun, uh, do send an email <laughs> to pippah at capetalk.co.za, uh, sorry, and ccconsumer at nola.co.za, consumer at k-n-o-w-l-e-r, nola.co.za, put Cape Talk MSC Cruise in the subject line and uh, and uh, we will certainly pick up on that story for a follow-up show as uh, we'll have to try and investigate the news someone's just shared with me uh, Wendy that DSTV is discontinuing the magazine altogether at the end of April oh, I know that is going Not to upset a few surprising. people uh, so we'll yes. give you some feedback on that in next week's show I'm afraid we didn't have time to get to it today but we will I'll pass that n- message on to Wendy in the interim uh, great show today Wendy thanks so much and we'll do Thank it again next goodbye. week Yes, I'll be in studio. Looking forward to having you with us. Wendy Nola, uh, you can reach her on consumer at nola.co.za.